This year at Northside, we've been learning extensively about grace, theologically from this book, but also practically in your hearts, in your hands, in your lives. And each month we have a different grace challenge, and that is designed to get you putting grace into action. It's easy to want to receive God's grace, but one of the responsibilities of grace is not that just that we're receivers of it, but that we overflow with it. Not that God gives it to us, but that we also show it to others. We reflect that light within us. For August, the challenge is simply this, to pray not just for other people, that's a good thing to do, but to pray with other people. I've heard several reactions from many of you of having put this into practice. Uh, we have this little orange bracelet that hopefully you're wearing in the month of August and maybe beyond. And it simply asks this, this simple question, may I pray for you? One uh, lady came this morning and as we were talking in the foyer, she wanted, she's at a, an assisted living facility And she said, I took the opportunity to pray and asked my nurses if I could pray for them. She said, I was so thrilled at how receptive they were to it and how they immediately said, yes, we would love if you prayed for us. And she did that. It it is a a manner for for her and for all of us to be uh, providers and overflowers of God's grace. It also makes a good connection. It's a wonderful way to connect with a person that you might not know otherwise. Now, it doesn't have to be someone who's, you know, in a, a nurse position. It could be your waiter or waitress at lunch today. It could be a, a friend or a family member who's struggling with some things and just sharing those things with you. It could be a coworker that you know is going through a rough time. These are all opportunities. Then I realize it's a difficult opportunity, but let me tell you, there is, at Northside today, is a very good day to be wearing this bracelet. Because what we're going to talk about today has everything to do with our August challenge, uh, except it's not just for August. It's all year long, and it's something we haven't been just doing this year or for this school year. We've been doing it for 19 years. It's a part of who we are at Northside. And we're going to talk about it a little bit, bit this morning. So today is a special day at Northside. It's Back to School Sunday. Back to School Sunday is that annual tradition where we prepare our kindergarten through seniors. And, and we come alongside them for the school year that is to come. Why do we do that? Well, let me, uh, let me see if we can do this without too much interruption If you are between the ages of 5 and 18 years old, would you please stand up? And 5 and 18 year olds over here, I mean, it's not just one side of the congregation or another, okay? Uh, You can see that the 5 to 18 year olds own a good portion of Northside. They are, they are not just here, we consider them an asset and a privilege and an honor. Now, for just for you all standing for just a minute, you need to know something very important that we love you where you are now. But in our hearts, we're thinking about somewhere 20 years from now, not when you're between the ages of five and 18, but when you're between the ages of 25 and 38. Will you be faithful to the Lord? Will you be serving the Lord? 
Will you be worshiping with his church? Will you be finding ways to use your gifts in the kingdom? That's the thing that, 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 that so many church leaders and gurus worry about. They say we are losing the next generation. And that may or may not be true, but listen to this. At Northside, that is unacceptable. We are here to stop and to help parents and grandparents and everyone know that as far as it depends on us, we want to see you all in heaven. And we want you, as you become, grow and mature and come into Christ, that you are considered a part of the church and not only a church of tomorrow, you're going to be a part of the church today. And of course, you're going to be leading in the church of tomorrow. You all can sit down, but I want to ask another group to stand this morning, and that is if you're a parent or a grandparent of a 5 to 18 year old, would you stand please? Now, we make up most of the rest of the gap here. We understand that we are in this battle together. And, and the, 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 the struggle is this, that we want so much to make sure that our children and our grandchildren end up in heaven. And yet sometimes we feel overwhelmed at the world that, that seems to be more worse and worse news every day. Uh, the, 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 all of the bad news within the church. All of the Eeyores that go around saying it's just impossible. And you need to understand as a part of Northside, you're a part of a family who intends to do something about it. And not just are we praying for your children and grandchildren. We're with you in the battle. You do not parent, you do not grandparent alone because this batter battle matters greatly in God's sight. May we not forget it. This is the problem. You see, we have children. We want to know Jesus. We want them to grow in, in Jesus. And yet we sometimes feel overwhelmed, ill-equipped, and maybe just alone. Churches must be intentional and intergenerational. That's what God designed the church to be. Not this group working by that selves, not this group working by this, but these groups working together, hand in hand, the older teaching the younger, the older mentoring and counseling and guiding the younger and building bridges, not just in this world, but into the eternal one. So you all may be seated. What do we do then? The solution is to do what God said to do. You want to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, or if you don't have one on your phone, turn to page 1159 in the Pew Bible. And I'm serious about that because I want everybody to be in the Bible. I mean, I know you know that I can tell you what's in the Bible, but it's important that you know what's in the Bible for yourself. So the most fantastic sound is the... Sound of pages fluttering as we are endeavoring to know what God's word says. Ephesians chapter 6. Now, we talked about Ephesians chapter 6 last week in my message to parents. And it says, specifically in verse 4, Fathers, do not exasperate your children, but instead bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. But, but look on down to Ephesians chapter 6. Same chapter, just six verses down to chapter 6 verses 10. And following, it tells us how to be strong in the Lord. Some of you may have a little uh, heading there. It says simply, the armor of God. See, it doesn't just say, fathers, bring up your children in the training and instruction of the Lord and leave you out to not know how to do that. Ephesians 6, 4 tells us what we're to do. Ephesians 6, 10 and following tells us how to go about doing it. So if you're interested in the how, whether you're a parent or a grandparent, 
follow along, starting in verse uh, about verse 10, we get three simple things from Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. First, we must prepare them. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 12. My translation reads this way. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. See, you... You fell for it at one time or another, didn't you? You fell for the world's trap. You, you, you fell for the devil's trap where he, he was getting you fighting against other one. He thought, he thought your, your enemy was a Republican or your enemy was a Democrat. He thought that your enemy was uh, uh, someone of a different color than you. You thought your enemy was someone of a different gender than you. See, the world splits up over all those things. No, no, no. Ephesians chapter six tells us that there's a real spiritual battle and it has nothing to do with anyone here, anyone in the flesh. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. See, as there is a, as there is a heavenly chess match going on somewhere in the heavenly realms with good versus evil, and the consequences of that battle are eternal, and the enemy is so real, and he is absolutely vicious in what he will do to bring souls that are Jesus's over to his side. You don't know this, so I'm going to take you a little bit behind the curtain. But every time someone chooses to be baptized into Christ, to begin that journey into Christ, when they we take their confession on one of these benches down front, and then as we, after the confession, we'll go back there and prepare them by putting the waiters on and all of that and explaining the sort of the logistics of what's going to happen. What I love about that moment is not any of that, but two men who go back there as consistently as they are here, Rob Dobbs and Raymond Williams. And they will go back there for one purpose, to prepare that new babe in Christ. And so while you are singing the last song, or you are preparing to leave, or you're going to give that person a hug, there's battle happening back here. As a person comes out of the water, just pure and fresh and newborn in Christ, they come out, they're given a hug and a towel, and they come down, they're just sopping wet. But they're pure, they're cleansed, they're righteous in the sight of God because of the blood of Christ. And as they're dripping wet, we all gather in a circle. Sometimes there's parents there, sometimes there's grandparents there, and... The uh, prayer pals occasionally and Raymond and Rob will say something to this effect. They will say, you know, you've just entered into the battle. And of course, especially the teenager, uh, a young person, they're not really thinking about that. But but we who are older understand what's happening. And Raymond says, you've just entered into the battle and you've made the devil very unhappy today. And he is going to be ruthless. He is going to stop at nothing. Because just as you chose to come to Christ, you can choose to fall away from Christ. You can choose to leave Christ. And the devil, that's exactly his job number one. And so they will say, this week it's going to get tough. You're going to face things you've not faced before. Because, you see, now you're in a spiritual battle. Do you see what Raymond and Rob are doing there? They're wisely preparing this person who's new in Christ to understand what Ephesians chapter 6 says. Is that we are part of a battle. This changes the perspective on all of our struggling, all of our suffering, all of our temptation, all of our sin. When we understand that it's part of a battle, that maybe there's a reason you're going through the thing you did this week because the enemy's working on you because you've been doing great work in the kingdom and he needs to discourage you. He needs to distract you. He needs to keep you. He needs to pull you out of the battle. So he hits hardest on his leaders and his go getters. 
May we not forget that we are in a battle. And may we prepare our children and grandchildren for the reality that they are in Christ. They are, whether they like it or not, a part of a spiritual battle. And they and their very souls hang in the balance. The second thing we have to do if we understand that we are there to prepare them is that we, how do we prepare our battles? How do we prepare them for that we provide the right kind of gear? You see, I don't care uh, what your child or grandchild may participate in. I'm pretty sure that most of you, especially this week, have got all your school supplies. Do you know why? I mean, you, you don't want to be that parent whose child or grandchild goes to school unprepared to learn. But it's true with so many other things. I mean, if your child, if your teenager went to camp, some of you prepared for camp. Some of you packed for like seven weeks straight for a one-week camp. Who was it? Was it Neil? I don't remember. He had the biggest suitcase I've ever seen in my life. Looked like he was smuggling a friend to camp. Well, it may not have been Neil, but but who was it? Was it you? Okay. Okay. Well, anyway, the reason they did that was because they're preparing for a camp. And as wonderful as team camp is, my question is, how often do we prepare for things that are so trivial in nature and do not prepare our children for the battle that they are to fight? Now, we're reading in verse 13 of Ephesians chapter 6. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Do you understand that that Paul's saying you've got to just as you prepare them for school, just as you prepare them for camp, you got to prepare them. Tyler, picking on you. Come here, buddy. Most of you know this is my son, Tyler. He's 13. Every bit of 13. Now, Tyler, you know that I love you, right? But can I tell you something in all seriousness? It is no greater burden on my heart than to know that you will be faithful to the Lord for the rest of your life. That's the thing I pray about. That's the thing your mother prays about. Of course, we pray for other things, too. But we know you're facing a battle every single day. And we do that preparing you for the battle because we know... Satan's coming after you, just as he will with all of you. We've got to prepare them for the battle. Paul gives us five ways to do that. You can go sit down now. Number one, he says you've got to give them the belt of truth. You've got to put that belt of truth. You've got to teach them. This is so important in our world that they understand that there is truth. There's objective truth. It's not my truth. It's not your truth. It's not let's just have all these different truths running around. It's God's truth. We've got we to gotta be able to, to gird them up with the belt of truth and teach them that there is a difference between what God says and what everyone else says. Everyone else says is going to change all the time. But what God says is consistent for all people at all times. 
The second thing you've got to do is give them the breastplate of righteousness. You've got to teach them right behavior. What, what doing right is even when no one else is looking. I'll pick on my lovely bride today because it's her birthday and she's thrilled with me now for mentioning that. You say, how old is she? And I say, I'm too wise to answer that question. We celebrate the birthday, not the birth year, okay? The Christie is going to the store with little Grace. They go through the cashier's line. The cashier rings up all the coupons that they give you. Christy takes that and goes, and she's looking at the receipt because it's, it's way less of a bill than it should have been. And she looks at it and she says, oh, the cashier gave me, instead of giving me this coupon once, she gave it to me like five times. And she told Grace, we need to go back to the store. And seven-year-old Grace says, well, why? And that's Christie's opportunity to not only explain but to model righteousness. You see, that protects our children when they understand that not only is there a right and wrong, but there's a way to live as right and wrong. Now, would that cashier have known? Probably not. Would any of the Dillons in the accounting department? Maybe they would have caught that, but I doubt it. You know, the only one who was watching in that moment between my wife and the cashier was God himself. And Christy rightly brought grace into the conversation. We've got to teach them that. The third thing is that they get the shield of faith. We have to teach our children to trust in things which they cannot see and to have hope in things that are not yet here. It's so important. You see, you parents and grandparents, you have your faith. But what happens is for a while, this group and those younger, you latch on to your parents' faith. You go to church because they tell you to. You, you go to Bible class because it's sort of not an option. But if we parents and grandparents aren't careful, we can drop the baton in the handoff. You see, at some point, and hopefully before you leave this room, you got to go to worship because you know that in your heart you need to worship the living God. Because someday you're going to get up and there's not going to be anybody who's saying, come on, come on, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, to, come on, let's go, get dressed, let's go, it's time to get ready. There's not going to be anybody saying you need to participate in that, you need to serve this person. There's not going to be anybody there telling you. You're going to have to decide. You're going to own your faith. And that's what Paul calls the shield of faith. You need to not just latch on to your parents' faith, but you need to have your own. Fourth is you've got to have the helmet of salvation. We touched on this last week, but parents, truly, truly. This is the job, number one, that they might know Christ fully. If, if, your, if your child gets a 36 on the ACT, if your child is the star of the football team, if your child is, is a, a, a drama a, a actor, a musician, they're all in the lead roles, they do all of that. If they're successful by every measure that the school can measure success, but they leave not knowing Jesus, we have, we have, we have sorely missed an opportunity. May that be job one. All the other stuff is okay. I'm not, I'm not, but we have to focus on keeping the main thing, the main thing. And finally, we have to give them the sword. We have to teach them to read God's word, to love God's word, to Meditate on God's word and to live by God's word. And Deuteronomy chapter 6 tells us very clearly that.
that he wanted the Israelites to teach them that by modeling it. So we gotta prepare them. There is a battle. We gotta, we gotta gird them up. You wouldn't send any of your children off to do battle without giving them the right gear to do battle. And after you've done all this, Ephesians chapter 6 says this. After you've done all of this, make sure that you pray. Make sure that you pray. You say, well, Toby, I'm already on that one. I, I pray day and night just like you pulled Tyler up there. I, I fret about what my children do. I fret about what they don't do. I, I fret about if they're going to make it sometimes. I pray and I pray and I pray and I feel like the only one praying and sometimes I feel like my words hit the ceiling and you need to know that you are not uttering words that fall on deaf ears. If you're in Christ, you're promised the Spirit who intercepts those prayers and utters with words too deep for understanding. Verse 18, pray in the Spirit on all kinds of occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the saints. If you're worried about your kids, you're worried about your grandkids, pray for them. And remember that you are not Praying alone, not for a single second. Now, we do back to school Sunday so that you know that we're aligned with you from a leadership level. But but this goes all the way through our congregation. And if you haven't taken the August challenge yet, you know, the easiest thing in the world you can do is just go up to a young person and say, hey, I want you to know I'm praying with you. And and, and how can I pray for you right now? And that's that's a simply powerful Thing to do. Northside takes Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18 seriously. After you've done, after you got ready for battle, then you got to engage in battle. And that is what today is all about. Today, you and I, it looks like we're just sitting in pews, but we are going to battle for the next generation. May we not ever be okay with a generation going to hell. Because some of the generation have sat in our own pews. At Northside, we we refuse to accept the status quo. We take seriously the battle that we are in. And prayer pals, I I, I don't want you to misunderstand. The name kind of is cutesy. We get the little kids up there. We, we, we talk about how good the relationship is. And that's wonderful. Don't misunderstand me. But you miss the opportunity if you fail to engage in the battle for the child. To walk alongside them and go to your knees in battle for them. So we're going to pray today. And I hope you'll join me and pray like you've never prayed before. But don't stop today. Don't do it because the preacher says to do it because you're serious about winning the next generation, about joining the heavenly hosts in a heavenly battle for the souls of our children and our grandchildren. It's powerful. It's effective. It avails much. God intended us to do it. May we not be derelict in our duty. May we not let it pass. This morning, would you join us in prayer? We're going to pray. Let's begin by praying for our parents and grandparents. Psalm 127, toward the middle of your Bible, verse 3 and following says that children are a heritage from the Lord, a offspring, a reward from him. 
You see, your children are not your own. They're God's. He loaned them to you for a while. And as he does with every blessing, to whom much is given, much is expected. May we see parenting and grandparenting from a stewardship perspective. May we change the cycle. Oh, you say there's so much dysfunction. My family puts the fun in dysfunction. You can stop that if you take seriously the battle. You can be a cycle breaker. I've seen, I've watched it happen. You may be the grandparent bringing your grandchildren to, ch- to church because your, pa- your, your own children refuse to do it. And you get discouraged and you wonder how much difference it makes. Let me tell you, personal testimony time. I would not be here were it not for my grandmother and my great aunt. Do not give up on them. It matters. Someone has to stand in the gap and it might be you and you might be old and you might be tired and you might wonder if it matters. It does. Don't forget that we're with you in the battle. God's first and lifelong teachers are the family. Don't be derelict in what your responsibility is. God put you in their life for a reason. Now it's up to them to take up that responsibility. It's up to them to listen and they have free will and all that. But don't you not do what God's called you to do. May we be good stewards. This morning I'm going to call one of our shepherds, Albert Brinsing, as I ask all of our parents and grandparents. If you're a parent, grandparent, yes, if you stood earlier, please stand right now as one of our shepherds, Albert Brinsing, prays over you. Albert, parents and grandparents, please stand. Would you pray with me, please? Our dear Heavenly Father, you are the creator of the earth and everything in it. You are the almighty God and our King. We humbly thank you this morning that we can approach your throne and make petitions to you that we pray within your will. We thank you this morning for the prayer pal ministry here at Northside. We not only know, but we have seen how it has affected the lives of so many people, both young and old, in their walk with you, dear Lord. In Christian relationships being built, in mentoring being done, and love and kindness being shown. Dear Lord, we thank you for this wonderful opportunity that is offered here at Northside that can foster relationships between older and younger Christians, and ultimately lasting relationships with you. Holy Father, my prayer this morning is for the parents and grandparents and for all the adult volunteers here at Northside that make this ministry possible. For all the prayers that we've heard in the past and will be heard this morning, asking for your blessings on this ministry We know that in order for this ministry to be even more successful, we ask that you provide an abundance of parents and grandparents and adult volunteers so that each child in this ministry can have a prayer pal so they can be individually prayed for, mentored, and ministered to. We pray not only for an abundance of volunteers, but that each Volunteer this year will be faithful in building a strong Christian relationship 
with the child that they mentor to that makes a, a positive and lasting influence on the child's life. Father, our hearts, our, our souls ache for those children that have grown up here at Northside who have given up on you when they've gotten older and left here. Ultimately, what we are asking you for and wanting is that each child develops his or her own faith in you to the point that it only grows stronger as they get older, no matter what life throws at them. Dear Lord, help us prepare our children for battles in life as Christian adults that rely on you. Finally, dear Lord, we ask that you bless each parent, each grandparent, and each adult volunteer as they strive to do their best in this endeavor. We pray that you give a special blessing of commitment, of time, of patience, of kindness, and love to all involved in this ministry. I humbly pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Albert. You may be seated. Next, we go to battle for our teachers and the influencers. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, the Apostle Paul says this, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. We have lots of people who are not responsible for raising children, but they certainly are influencers in the life of a child. We know that parents are responsible to raise them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. But we believe sometimes that God often uses other people in the lives of those children. Teachers, full-time and part-time, paraeducators, people who teach, whether in the public setting, the private setting, the homeschool setting, uh, you are a influencer in the life of your child, but also administration, uh, people who tutor, bus drivers, uh, people who support. If you work in any sort of educational area, whether you are a full-time, part-time teacher, a para-administrator, if you are in any way involved in the teaching and the influencing of children on a day-to-day basis, would you please stand? Now, you may know that you may feel underpaid, and perhaps you feel underappreciated, but please know that your impact can never be underestimated. Please continue to do what you do and know that Northside has a group of people who pray with you and for you and beside you as you influence the next generation. Jesus said to let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and and praise you. No, they may see your light and praise him who is the source of all light. This morning, we want you to know that we're praying with you and for you. One of our shepherds, Brian Middle, I'm sorry, Ron Mock, is going to lead us in a prayer at this time. Will you pray with me, please? Most gracious Heavenly Father, at this time, we are praying specifically for the teachers and others who have an influence on our children, whether it be teachers, parents, Coaches, bus drivers, administrators, homeschool teachers, or anyone else 
connected with students. Please help them to be enthusiastic and creative. Help them to be sensitive and kind. Please help them to use this unique opportunity to influence students to not only learn well what they will need to know in the future, but also to help them learn characteristics of honesty, hard work, kindness, and diligence. We recognize that many of us have been influenced in a very positive way by teachers over the years and others in the school system, those who have lived a good example and taught well, those who made an impression on us for good, may help, help the teachers and all remember how very much they can influence their students' lives for good. We thank you especially at this time, dear God, for the teachers and influencers we have here at Northside and ask a blessing on them as they begin their new school year. Just be with them, keep them safe, keep them rested, and uh, may they have a good year. We ask this through your son, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. For, for our third group of folks, we are praying over our little ones, those going into kindergarten all the way up through sixth grade. If you are going into kindergarten through sixth grade, I would ask you to come on up on stage and join me, if you would, please. Kindergarten through sixth graders, come up at this time. You all probably know the verse that I'm going to read. It comes from Luke chapter 2. And, you know, we don't really know much about Jesus' life at your age. When he was age 5 through age 12, roughly, the scripture doesn't say very much except this one verse that I'm going to read. Luke chapter 2, verse 52. It says, Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and man. And those four areas where Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man, you all have the same choice to do that. I, I really, I guess it's three of those four, right? You probably can't control too much on how tall you'll grow. That's already been set. But in other ways, in wisdom, whether you choose to listen to your teachers and listen to, to what your parents are saying and to grow in favor with God and to use your skills with other people and learn to get along in this world, those three are choices. And you get to make the same choice that Jesus did. And I'm hoping that you'll make the right one. And one of our shepherds, Brian Middleton, is going to come and pray over you at this time. So if you will, and all of us will join you, will you join Mr. Middleton as he leads us in prayer? Almighty God, King of the universe, 
author of life, every life up here, every life we understand. We pray to you on behalf of these 5 to 12-year-old children. They're going through a time of life where they're beginning to learn to be more independent from the family and to deal with the world itself. We pray for their protection, and not protection from the disappointment and difficulties and adversities of the world that provides the growth. We know they need that. We know they need the character that will come from difficult situations, but God, we fervently pray for shielding them from the difficulties that tempts them to take the focus off of you. Pray they're shielded against the unnecessary evil and pain that comes from living in a an evil world. And God, we pray for the positive side of this, that they have positive examples, positive teachers, positive experiences that lead them to your maturity. We pray for their teachers, their counselors, their ministers, their prayer pals, their friends, their bus drivers, their maintenance workers, their school resource officers, that through every interaction with each one of these, some of which will be Christians, some of which will be non-Christians, that you use every one of these people to lead them in a path toward maturity, to growing up, to being the kind of young men and women that you want them to be. We pray all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. I need some help for just a minute. Thank you, Brian. I need some people, it doesn't matter who, if you'll just take a picture of this group up here with your cell phone or something and send that to me. If you guys would just smile real big like you do for mom and dad when they they take your picture, we'll just give that about 10 seconds here. Somebody's going to give me a good picture, I know. Now, I want you to know that we love you and that we're praying for you, and we want you to have a great school year, too. Go back and sit down. Our last group, but certainly not the least group, is this group. I say this group. I know there are teenagers that sit elsewhere in the congregation. And if you are sitting, if you're a teenager, if you're 7th through 12th grade, and you're not sitting in this section would you mind to join the other teens just for this exercise? Because I, I don't want elders to have to go all over the place. But if you're a teenager and you're not sitting here, please come and join them. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. This is the scripture that was read for you. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. But set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love. In faith and in purity. You see, Paul told Timothy, hey, I know you're a young man, but you still have the opportunity to do a great deal of teaching. Isn't it amazing? The Apostle Paul said there's someone who can be a great teacher. And he said, it's young people like you. You can set an example for the believers in your speech and how you talk, in your life, in your love, in your faith, in your purity. I realize The water level for teenagers is very low. You know, at Northside, we have very high expectations because we love you, because we know that God loves you and that he sent his son to die for you. And so I'm going to ask you right now just to stand for just a minute, and we're going to ask all of our elders to go ahead and stand. That would be the word meaning stand up. We're going to have our elders come now and surround you. And pray over you. 
And Clayton McCullough is going to pray with you and for you in that prayer. Gracious, majestic, and glorious Father, we humbly bow at the foot of your throne this morning, recognizing you as our creator, our rock, our fortress, our refuge, but most of our our salvation. We come to raise up these teens, these young adults who are about to start a new school year. We pray that we pray that your spirit, the spirit of Christ, may dwell in their hearts through faith, and that their faith, not their parents, not their grandparents, and not their friends, but their faith may be strengthened as they go through this school year. I pray that they may be challenged in their faith and that they may learn to express and show their faith to those around them. I pray that they take time each day to talk to their parents, to talk to their grandparents or their friends, to talk about their struggles and how those struggles have helped them to grow. I pray they will come to an understanding that James writes about when he talks about considering it pure joy. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. Mature and complete, not lacking anything. May they come to understand the freedom they have in Christ their Savior. For it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. May each of you learn to understand this freedom so that when your friends of the world challenge you about how restrictive being a Christian is, you may have a response about the freedoms that you have because of the sacrifice that Christ Jesus has made for each and every one of us. May you be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. May you put on the full armor of God each and every day as you take your stand against the devil's schemes. But most of all, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the best offensive weapon that God gives each and every one of us. And we can look to our Lord Jesus as an example as he went out into the desert. And when he was weak, the devil came to him three times. Three times he was tempted, and each time he warded off the devil by saying, for it is written. May each of you learn to use God's word as you are challenged with temptation. May you understand the psalmist when he wrote, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. And I end this prayer with Paul's words to the church at Philippi. Rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God 
which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And it's in our Savior's name I lift up this prayer. Amen. Be seated. Thank you. No matter where you are at Northside, we know, want you to know, that you do not battle alone. Now, this is a wonderful day. It's always one of the most exciting parts of the preaching calendar to me. But you need to understand this is not just a warm, fuzzy Sunday. It's not just a one-and-done type of deal. We engage in this battle all year long. We ask for prayer pals on this day. So uh, you should have got one of these as you came in, the prayer pal commitment form. And, and I know that some of you think, well, I'll just tuck it away and I'll get it to them later. Just, no, don't do that. Pull it out right now. And fill it out. It takes all of 30 seconds. Now, I I preach at you every week, and I know each of you has 30 seconds of distraction within you. So pull it out and, and just fill out this form. Sign it. Put your name agreeing to do what prayer pals are asked to do. To faithfully, every day, pray for their prayer pal. Every day at noon, precisely, a reminder pops up on my computer or my phone to pray for Jason Nelson. And I do. And some of you go, well, you know, praying every day, I don't know what I pray for a young person every day. Well, when you sign up to be a prayer pal, uh, when, when we make those assignments, we send out letter, not only telling you who your prayer pal is, but we give you a little reference, a 31-day reference of different scriptures that you can pray over your prayer pal. It's a wonderfully helpful resource. Now, you don't have to use that, but we want to use that to help you do what prayer pals do. Uh, a prayer pal is, again, a faithful adult who engages faithfully in the battle for the hearts and the souls of the next generation. So sign that, fill it out now. Uh, on the back are some names if you want to request somebody, or you can just say, sign me any, up anyone. You've looked at the list by now, no doubt, and some of you are thinking, well, my child's not on there. A couple of things. One, uh, we do this ministry, and it's the only practical way we know how to do it, for North students of Northside members. So if you're not a Northside member, your child won't be on the list. And you're, we, we love our guests, and so we want them to come and to return. But trying to figure out amongst the 40 to 80 guests that we have every single week is just impossible. And so these are members, and then the other thing is you might say, well, my child's not on there, and that... I am a member at Northside, and that probably means that they and their prayer pal have requested for another year. We always get this challenge, and that is this. We get maybe four, five, six, seven adults who request the same kid. And I understand that sometimes people want certain kids, but this is not the draft, okay? This is not a popularity contest, Remember, the goal is to give each child a prayer pal. And so obviously we can only assign one per student. And if you request somebody, we're going to try to honor that. We really will. But obviously if we get five, six, seven people requesting the same kid, first of all, congratulations, you're doing really something right. But understand that we want everyone to have at least one. So please don't get offended. Don't get your feelings hurt if you don't get who you request. Please don't do that. That's not spiritually mature. Take the people, the the child that you're assigned, and faithfully pray for them every day. 
And if you want, you request someone and you don't get someone, well, that's okay. You won't be their official prayer pal, but you can certainly continue to pray with them and for them. We just want to make sure everyone gets at least one assigned prayer pal. So we try to honor those requests. Once you fill it out today, why we want you to fill this out today is because, uh, come here Gideon. Uh, as you leave today, several students from our loft group, and I realize Gideon is not in the loft anymore, but he's the one I want to pick on. Several students from the loft group are going to be standing. You've done this before, right? Yeah. Okay. So they're going to be standing at the door. And can you give him the look? <laughs> he's, he's watching for those of you who try to slip by without putting in your form. Is this emotional manipulation? Well, sure, sure, absolutely. But no, seriously, we really just want those in today. And we want you to do that so that we can get those signed as quickly as possible. We want we want very little of the school year to pass without them having an assigned prayer pal. So as you walk out today, no matter which door, you have to look a child in the eye and say, I love you and Jesus loves you or walk by and you know whatever. Please put those in there today. It would be most helpful. Thank you, Gideon, for helping me out. So sign up to do that today. What do you do after that? You wait till August 30th. We're going to send out a letter in the mail to all the prayer pals and saying, here's who your prayer pal is. Once that happens, you have job number one. Introduce yourself. Even if you've been prayer pals for years, just make a connection and say, hey, we're, we're prayer pals again this year. It's very important. And then at, at the, you know, we give you a month to do that. At the end of September, we send a letter to all the students and children and say, here's who your prayer pal is. So please be diligent about introducing yourself and praying for that person. Now, some prayer pals are just rock stars. They do the birthdays and the Christmases. They do the holidays. They do the ball games and the performances and the musicals. And that's great as long as you don't miss the first job of faithfully praying every day for your student. If you do nothing else but that, you've done your job. All the extra stuff is great, but don't forget job one. Follow through in being a prayer pal. We want you to understand this morning that when you are a Northside member, that you and your children do not battle alone. No matter who you are, you do not battle alone. So along those lines this morning, I want everybody to stand up now. I'd like you to grab a hand or shoulder across the aisle, stretch out a little bit, and uh, we are not going to offer a formal invitation today. If you need, have a need of putting on Christ, if you have a need of changing your life, come find me, come find one of our shepherds, and we will do whatever we need to do. But this morning, we just want to end on this song, and may we all remember that we are in a battle, but we do not battle alone. We are in a battle, but we battle together as a family of Christ. Brent, will you come up and lead us in the final song? Precious cornerstone, sure foundation, you are faithful to
this very moment that we feel your strength, your love, and your spirit. You have filled us with that, Father, and now it is our time to take that and leave this place with that strength. It is that strength, Father, that we leave not our own. It is because of our love for you, our focus on you, may we keep that focus on you, our eyes set on you and the goal that is before us. May we share that and build each other up with that as we leave. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your love and your son. In him we pray. Amen.